Welcome to episode 240 of I Am Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Right, guys, so welcome along to episode 240 of I Am Talk with Coach John Newsom and Bevan James Oz. How you going, mate? Good. It's a big show. Big show. Big week. Big week. Big week in John's life. It is. Why? The House of Triathlon. The hot. The House of Travel Triathlon Festival is happening this weekend. It's going to be hot. You're, you're hoping. Let's wait. So let's have a look at the long range well, forecast. We have been. I've been. Sunday at 21 overcast. Oh, what forecast is that giving you? That's not Met Service because consistently Met Service. Well, what do you mean? John, I think you should look at this one. Do you know why? Why? Because Joe and I, she didn't believe me yesterday when I said it and it got it right. Yes, well, maybe it does. The, the, the Met Service one changes every few hours. Yeah. And it changes all the time. But the consistent thing is it's forecasting 27, 28 degrees. Oh. Consistently, like from when it started forecasting, it changes from cloudy to maybe a little bit of rain to pure sun. But, but the weather's always hot. The, the temperature is consistent. So, What wouldn't you want? 15 degrees in a southerly. 15 degrees in a southerly. Okay. <laughs> basically, as long as it doesn't rain, I don't care what the temperature is, to be honest. Okay. Okay. Well, that's uh, very exciting. Okay. Uh, sponsors. Do we do that? Yes. Okay. <laughs> lost Coffeesofhawaii.com. <laughs> Coffeesofhawaii.com. Check out. Get some coffee for Christmas. Athlinks.com. Check out your mates. And Extreme Endurance. Get the lactic buffer. Well, John, it's a big show this week because... Uh, We've got, uh, we've got some news, we've got an age group. I'm amazed you put so much of the other stuff in. So, well, the interview, we've got a big interview coming up. That's I know, why. but I was and amazed you did those two as well. Oh, that's true. Yeah, uh, age group and website. We'll, we'll see how time's going. There's not yeah. much news you see this week. Yeah, but it's the interview goes quiet. for an hour and a half. No, we're only doing half the interview. I know, that's still 45 minutes. Yes, okay. We'll see how we go. So, okay, we've got age group of the week. We may have a website of the week, but the more important thing is good old Fegan, yeah. the constant deliverer, mm-hmm. and he, he lives up to that name this time, doesn't he? He does. Because we had on the, we had on discussion a, week, a few weeks ago saying we you know who who are the gurus we can get on the show and Fegan's pretty much emailed everybody in the world mm-hmm. trying to get them on the show which we love but he managed to hook up an interview with Brett Sutton mm, and I see he's also been in touch with Hillary wanting to talk about uh, Ultraman apparently oh. she's keen to come on the show oh, so Hillary's always good to have on the show isn't she um, but yeah Brett Sutton it's uh, it's interesting stuff as Bevan said it's the interview's now twenty so we're going to split it into t- t- two um, segments and also because I've got a hell of a week this week so it just kind of fits in well with us easy week and <laughs> interesting stuff in there and we'll, we'll talk about more about that when it comes up okay then uh, news is proudly brought to you by xtry.com check out xtry for the latest news reviews and interviews with the stars oh I didn't see that one okay first of all we've got a result for Taupo Half Ironman and granted it's only a, it's, a, no, it's not it's not a small race anymore it's I think they had 1200 people racing there at the weekend so it's held on the same course as Ironman New Zealand um, only a few years old you know, relatively new race they've got a new sponsor on board this year um, if you just put in like mail or something in there um, okay, yeah. and it's now sponsored by the same sponsor as Ironman New Zealand Kellogg's uh, I think they had a thousand bucks up for first place and it was interesting racing um, because we had a new fella Matt Burgess who I've heard of the name before, but not doing a great deal. Do you know? Do you know the rest of it? Yeah, I can probably wing okay, it. Okay, you and um, actually go to go to sportshub.com. Okay, uh, with a Z sports. Dot co. Dot com. 
and we can't pull up the results for some reason. And he basically took it to Kieran Doe. I mean, no, and took took it to Terenzo Bazzoni, and oh, it was really? a very very close race. Didn't remember looking on here. Just scroll on your phone. You also, if you go to Sports Hub, wait a second, interview with John Newsom. Funny that pops up. <laughs> oh, look at one of New Zealand's leading coaches, John Newsom, started the House of Travel Triathlon Festival down in Christchurch last year. He didn't this year. <laughs> anyway, that's on SportsHub.com. If you want to hear an interview with me, I did on the radio the other day. Uh, here we go. Here we go. So anyway, um, Terenzo Bazzoni ended up taking out the race, but only by 16 seconds from Matt Burgess, who's a relative unknown. And you go, hey, you may... Is he a Kiwi? Yep, you could, you could maybe go, well, hey, Terenzo was just pissing about and taking it easy. But Keegan Williams was in third, and he was like, you know, seven minutes back or so. Wow. So they weren't mucking around. And Terenzo said in his comments that, you know, he took off on... The, that the other fella took off on the run and really put it to him. So... You know, that's a name to watch out for this season on the half Ironman circuit. Not sure if he's doing Ironman or not, but no matter what sort of shape Terenzo might be in, whether it's not the best in the world, still, he's a quality athlete, and for somebody to be able to push him like that is just awesome. Especially at this distance, like Terenzo yeah. is, a, is a gun at the half. One of the kings, isn't he, Swanee? Yeah. One of the kings at half Ironman. <laughs> yeah, Swanee. <laughs> and then on the girls' side of things, we had an equally... Um, very very close race well not equally but very close to it Belinda Harper took it out in 4 hours 47 and only 47 seconds back was Hannah Lawrence so um, some good racing and good way to kick off the sort of half Ironman circuit in New Zealand have you ever done a come from behind win? Uh, yes is it quite satisfying? it is quite satisfying yeah. yes it is have you ever come from behind up the finish shoot? You no, but I've been off. caught in the finishing shoot oh. by John Hallamans. Oh, bloody hell, he was an old man, John. Running, running, he was, was running side by side. We basically, and we nailed a very, very fast run. It was a sprint triathlon in Nelson. We came off the bike together, shoulder to shoulder, surging, all this. And this is when I was probably 18, yep. 18 or so, and, uh, and he was coaching me. And oh, so you wanted to beat the coach? Yeah, and yeah. at that stage he was probably 45. It was but he, was, he, was, he was a fast athlete, wasn't oh, he? Yeah. yeah. And uh, so surging and stuff, and then like I don't know, five hundred meters to go, I just dropped the hammer and dropped him like a stone. Did you? And then turned in the finishing shoot, sort of slowed down. And he ran up to me, oh, and no. we crossed the line together, and they gave it to us as a dead heat. Oh really? Yeah, I'd be in though. Well, I once did a race. Uh, oh, at it was the clear water. Yeah, and, uh, and, and I did a corporate, sprint. the corporate one. Yeah, I think I sprint for the finish. With, yeah, I can't remember who it was, but anyway, came an equal. They yep. gave it to me. <laughs> and if anything, I think he popped me, so I was loving it. So that was, that was, that was a good one. Okay, uh, what else we got? Uh, Iron Man on... NBC this weekend. Oh, okay. I think we mentioned that last week, but it's coming up on Saturday in the, in the US. If you're in the US and if somebody can tape it for us and pop it on a DVD, that'd be great so we can check it out. Did you get the website with all the videos? No. Yeah, I gave it to you this week. Oh, do you read the email, Sean? I do. You do not. I, I may have fired. No, so, yes, I may be. I, I, if if it's had, like, of the week. It had like, like videos from like the 80s and stuff. Filed, I filed as filed as it website of the week. very good. See, I don't, I don't look at those things. I basically file them, and then when I need to get a website of the week, then I look at it. Okay. I don't want to double task, you, you see. You sure? Yeah. You sure? Yes. IBW is getting pretty massive, John. It's, uh, last year, they've already got more athletes than what they had last year. Uh, they have over 946 athletes registered from 43 countries, and it's still got a few... It was March, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So I think that's it's doing well. You know, that was one of the concerns with that race that I had was, 
you know, sure they're going to get the, a good pro field, but are they going to be able to attract a good age group size field? And, and it looks like they are. And and that's for for them. You know, I would imagine the majority of the field will be coming from outside Abu Dhabi. So it's well, forty three countries. It's so. good for their tourism. Um, and and this doesn't actually include the professional field, which is going to be released pretty soon. And I'm sure it'll be very similar to last year. Big field. I wish they could, like, you know, Abu Dhabi's got a lot of money. Or maybe it hasn't in its economy. But I kind of wish that they could take it up to huge prize money. Million dollar prize. Yeah, like it became the the, the race of the year. Mm. Mm. You know. Uh, and then you would get everybody. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. it's still great. What is it? Fifth, is it scroll, scroll, scroll down, I think. Is it 250? It's oh, 250 no, no, total. It it's uh, 50,000 first. So that's really good. Yeah. But Kona's, Kona's what, 110, 110, 110 125. So, yep. you know, if, that, if it was two, 250,000 or 500,000 for first or even a million, that's everybody would rock that. Yeah, man. It'd be an awesome race. Okay, then. Uh... If your leg's falling off this week, or if, if, if somebody. <laughs> If something happens to you this yeah, week, I'm PC. If your legs fall off, we've got a power try. The para- no, this is good. It's good news. It's a good news story. The para triathlon has made made it for the Rio Olympics. So, oh, well, that is so a good news story. So obviously, you know, they always run on the para try either as part of the Olympics or usually tack it on. But wait a second. Afterwards. So the Olympics now do the para triathlete athletes compete at the same time? No, actually, that's a Commonwealth Games. Sorry, the they, yeah, para- they don't they go after the, the week after is yeah. the Paralympics. So it's it's good for triathlon. So they haven't had it before no wow. not, not, at, not at the Olympics I mean this, it's a, the Olympic, triathlon's only been in the Olympics three times yep. um, so this will be the first Kiwi's won gold yes and bronze and silver silver yes so out of what is that out of, uh, well, it'd be, out of nine, nine out medals nine medals we've got three, three. <laughs> how we roll guys how we roll Do you wish you were a Kiwi right now <laughs> but anyway uh I remember when I was in, uh, we obviously heard lots of stories in Kona about, you know, the para-athletes doing awesome, but then I remember I was in Gold Coast last year for Worlds, and uh, some of those guys there, man, they were moving fast, you know, it wasn't just about participating, they were seriously competing, so good for the sport. So Bevan, if your leg... Okay, if my leg falls off this week, I'm going to run. Okay, um, hopefully my leg doesn't fall off. Yes, I hope so too. So this is an interesting story, I don't know much about this one. John DuPont died in prison. Now, did you know the story at the time? Not at all, I just, uh, we've got to give Timothy Carlson here a bit of credit, because he does write some good stuff on slow twitch, just about some of the history side of things. He's obviously been around a long time, knows a lot about what sort of went on in the 80s and the 90s when the sport was really growing. And Yeah, he's written this piece about a guy called John DuPont. So who's who's from the DuPont family, which he had an inheritance of uh, $200 million sitting in the bank. So he's a very wealthy man. And he was was a, 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 what kind of athlete? A modern decathlon? He was very much into wrestling and... Basically, he just he supported, supported the sport, sport big man. Time. Like you'd, in wrestling, he'd give like four hundred thousand dollars US a year to the wrestling team, and eventually moved on to triathlon. And he supported guys like Ken Glar, Jeff Devon, who I've never heard of. Jeff Devon, third and Kona, and about in the, in the mid eighties, more of a two athlete, but very good yeah, athlete. Brooks Clark and, and Joy Henson. Um, and but then he had a bit of an injury in the early eighties, and he couldn't be an athlete anymore. And he kind of went into drugs and stuff, and he ended up killing a an Olympic swimmer. Uh, was it swimmer or weightlifter? Anyway, oh, weightlifter, I think uh, it was, yeah. Anyway, or a wrestler. Anyway, he, he, he was a great philanthropist and uh, built a fit on his ranch, built a 50-metre pool, had an outdoor running track, so did some great things for the sport, but unfortunately then he really sounds like he completely lost the plot and did kill somebody and was in, ended up in jail, which is obviously the sad side of the story, but it's nice to highlight some of the, the good things that he did. Um, it was just interesting as well. So he had a team called Team Fox Catcher, but in the story they're talking about another guy called uh, Jerry... Is that one, John? 
Dom- Dominelli, Dominelli um, who, who had a team who was doing an international Ponzi scheme, got done for a $200 million Ponzi scheme. But Molina was in his team. Yeah, but it does go on to say that none of these guys... <laughs> Yeah. Seemed to know anything about what was going on. He's got um, the money and ran. <laughs> and that was the thing. These guys set these things up in, in the eighties and, and early nineties, and the sport was on. Was on. I know it's on a high now, but it was on a real growth curve then, and people did think it was going to be the next running thing. And and those those small number of big athletes like Scott and Alan and and Tinley and those guys. Um, it was a small group. And they they were making good coin, and they, and they were big stars. And the sport wasn't very deep. So John, um, I'm just the Savalowitz coming up right now. Yes. And I know Avanti. Yes, Avanti. Yeah. But what's with the water bottle one? Yeah. The P, is it the P4? Yes. I don't get it. Yeah, it looks... Uh, yeah. Yeah. It was obviously someone who had a design idea and they should have said no. Mm, I should have. Anyway, sorry. Sorry, Savello. So, sad, sad to hear this guy died. And he, and he obviously um, you know, lost the plot, but he did, looked like he did some good things. So. I'll put a link to it on um, WWI and talk to me because it's just a little piece that's pretty interesting. And so, it's all good. Uh, other news, uh, Bella and Stephen Bayless are leaving Team TPB. So, quite... Quite topical this week as well. Quite topical. And um, obviously we had Keegan Williams leaving this year and one of the things Brett Sutton does say that, you know, they're under, you know, a bit of financial pressure. So, uh, but one of the things he does also say is what he tries to do is develop athletes so they can be independent. Um, And those guys have been on that team for a while and they've had great results and it's probably come to a time where they probably have learned as much as they feel they, they need to and maybe for also financial reasons they're going elsewhere and they can pick up some, you know, they've got such good... Histories and they can market themselves quite well together. That um, it's well, probably just well, a convenience thing. Bella's had over fifteen um, podiums and Stevens had seven since their time and, and yeah, all of his TV podiums TV. I think have come yep. since he's been on Team TV. I actually thought he might have had a, a one of his podiums in Ironman UK before he joined the team, but maybe not. Um, but anyway, they're looking for sponsors. So if you go to uh, try247.com, Stephen and Bella are looking for for new sponsors. Now they're going solo. 247. Try 247. 247.com. 24 there you go. They, they do try every minute of the day, John. That's right. Every minute, every, every second, every, every day. second, every millisecond. Okay, then the big one. I've got some big uh, goss coming up, John. Now, this is speculation. Is this, I don't know. No, the big one is more about my race this weekend, but we've already talked about that. Oh, okay. Coming up, it's the big one. What's that, John? House Travel Triathlon Festival. Oh. DJ BJ is in the house. Yeah, can you still enter? You can enter until Wednesday. What, what if I came in on Thursday? No. Why not? Because I've got timing chips and all that sort of stuff has to be programmed and I'm like, no. What if I was say I'm willing to pay $200? <laughs> Money talks! <laughs> 500 in your... 500, I mean, okay, I'm entering on Thursday. Um, well, we've got to give a bit of uh, I Man Western Australia a bit of love here because um, oh, we've got no. a bit of feedback from participants who they did some great things. Um, it did some major changes. Carbo and Awards Dinner, amazingly great. New finish line shoot, which I did notice online so when I'd watched the coverage. What's, what's different about it? The finish line shoot, I mean, when I remember seeing in the past, I remember watching Gina finish one year, and uh, and she was going sub nine, and it looked like they were just running across this field and had these sort of shitty things up. Just like a of, local race kind of thing. Yeah, um, but when they came down this one, it was all the, the full noise and the proper finish gantry and everything looked really good, so well done on that. And apparently they did a good job on the drafting as well. They made the draft zone 12 metres from 7 metres last year. Other than the first lap, I didn't see any drafting. The officials busted about 140 in the first 60k and then said they only did 20 in the next two wow, laps. Wow, people didn't listen. And some gossip. This, uh, allegedly, John. Allegedly. Allegedly, Ironman Korea is about to be announced. And also, Ironman Melbourne is mm. about to be confirmed. 
So Melbourne, not surprised about. There's been gossip going around about that. But Korea seems odd because they had Ironman Korea a few years ago and then ditched it. And I don't uh, know much about what's happening over there. Isn't the Korea having a war and stuff right now? Oh, they're firing a few, firing a few <laughs> bullets across the border back and forth. I don't really know how that, that part of the world rolls. T- but. Typically, when they have the races in Korea, it's in one of the islands, sort of off. They used to have it at Cheju, um, and so it's sort of off the off the mainland a bit, not not right in downtown, sort of Seoul or anything. The, the guns are going off, um, but. You do wonder about these Asian races, how well they're going to go. I mean, <clears throat> China doesn't it doesn't seem to be attracting that big a crowd. Japan's always good, and that always gets a good crowd. But Korea, you know, we'll, we'll just wait and see that. I know with the Ironman Korea, the race they used to have. They have Singapore, 70.3, don't they? Don't they they have, do, yeah. That's a pretty busy race, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's pretty busy. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Ironman Melbourne would be cool, wouldn't it? It would be good. <clears throat> they need more over there. I mean, the reason why I'm in New Zealand sold out this year is because all the Aussies are coming over and yeah. <clears throat> stole all the Kiwi spots. <clears throat> Damn Aussies. Australians. Good luck, the Poms. Yeah, I have to say, I was loving the cricket. And the reason I'm loving the cricket, and I know we've got lots of Aussie listeners, and we love you, Aussie, you Australians, but you guys have killed everyone in cricket for like mm. 20 years. <clears throat> and... And you're just you're not good at the moment. Yeah. And the thing about the Australians is when you've watched them in cricket, you know, even when they're losing, you're thinking, oh, they're going to come back. And, and they used to. Yeah. Whereas this time, the Poms just tearing into bits, and I'm loving it. <laughs> it's so all good. I feel like I'm Pom. I'm a Pom John. It's, uh, I, I think cricket is probably the only sport that I support England in. Everything else. I would probably, well, in these situations, yeah. yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'd probably say that too, because I'd rather the Australians beat the rugby team. Yes. Oh, yeah, big time. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. no, I think cricket's about the only sport I would support yep. England at. Yep. Otherwise, go the rest of the world. Go <laughs> the rest of the world. Okay, our sponsor. And I do have an English passport, so I mean, I'm... Do you really? Yeah. It's a good scheme, eh? Very good scheme. Oh, because us Kiwis, if you have an English passport, it's really good. Sweet. I don't have one. Mm. Um, I've never been to England. Okay, John, sponsor. Sponsor. How are we doing? Well, I didn't have time to do my little. Um, oh. I didn't have time to do my pre peas. So we'll go extreme xendurance. Okay, I'll pop the website, John, and we're going to wing this one. And we're going to have Sandy coming on the show sometime soon to sort of go into a bit more detail about the products. But um, one thing, you know, we've had the how towel story. Um, really, from my perspective, seems to reduce muscle soreness, um, keeps your training more consistent. And also, they, well, they're very good. Oh, our company, Extreme Endurance, <laughs> is developed by Euro Nutrition BB, a European nutraceutical company and Lifespan International. And they've got a few books in there, a few books in German. Euro Nutrition has been a leader in scientifically backed nutritional supplements for the European medical and healthcare community for the past 10 years. They are a leader in natural joint health, antioxidant and vitamin nutrition, prostate health and heart health. Since 1998, numerous newspapers, magazines, articles and six best-selling books have been written by leading experts and PhDs about the high-quality science and ingredients that distinguish the products formulated by Euro Nutrition. These books are now published in over five different languages, John. So, I mean, I think for a lot of you guys, if you're, if you're suspicious about things like this, if you're in your off-season, which a lot of you guys are going to be in now, it's going into what's well into winter, is that typically it's the running that's going to bang your legs around the most and give you the most muscular yep. fatigue and muscular soreness post-race. Um, you know, if you're doing running races over winter, especially if you know you're building up for a, some half marathons or marathons, now's a good time to actually try things like this and make sure you don't have any adverse effects. I certainly haven't. Um, 
and and just judge it for yourself especially if you do a marathon every year say you do Boston or something like that and you know, you'll, you'll know from past experiences what you feel like after the race basically get, you just need to get one bottle of this and, and I mean the, the recommended advice is it gets better and better the more you take of it for the longer period you take it um, I only basically went through one container in my lead up to Auckland and that's when I noticed a difference so you don't need to go and buy 6 million bottles of the stuff um, but give it a go and uh, and judge it and then obviously if, when summer rolls around next year you can uh, give it a crack remember to use the code IMTALK at checkout so at that's xendurance.com yes John okay so last week we had a discussion of the week and it was a pretty good question actually uh, from it was from good old Kieran Adrian the clerk and the question basically was around pro athletes you know well, we were having a discussion at the time around pro athletes and what should be the expectations on pro athletes you know should they have an obligation to the fans and uh, we got some good answers here John so good. do you want to start off uh, Kevin Oh, Lin Kui. Um, when a pro is in race mode or on race day or even in the days leading up to the race, um, it's only polite to leave them alone. Seriously, don't get in their face. I'm just an age grouper and hardly um, Mr. Sociable before a local race. However, having said that, pros do have an obligation to their sponsors to meet and greet, but that these events should be done on their terms and during planned sessions. Pros are people too. Loving your work, guys. Okay, well, Susan Newton's going. Is it a pro's job to be there for the fans? Pros are role models by default. Having fans goes with the territory, and I suspect most accept their celebrity status with open arms. Surely it would be unfairly owned. Under, over, what is it? underwhelming experience to win a race without anyone cheering them on it's good to be loved pros make a massive con- contribution to the sport and yes it's their livelihood as I said there are two aspects to the job winning races and winning popularity with the fans aka all the high level spending kit hordes out there e.g. us uh, popularity influences sponsorship and therefore their income so they can have they would have to be naive to diss their public Casting point before I became a huge fan of Andreas Raylert. Uh, where's he gonna lose myself here? Great team. Um, I associate a case with, with tennis and I'd never heard of their blue bikes. So he's basically saying that you know he opened her up to that product. Nice, Daniel Ward. I'm pulling it down, John. Pulling it down. I was lucky enough to meet Chrissy um, last Monday. You can read it about it here. Click link. Okay. Uh, she took time out of a busy schedule to do a presentation for some of our lucky triathletes. She was friendly, funny, and a huge smile on her face all night. Um, as well as giving an excellent talk, she stayed around to chat, sign autographs, and have her picture taken with everyone. Although she took the risks, she is always uh, aware of how lucky she is and how she can use her fame to inspire and motivate others. Oh, Bevan, you're pulling the short straws here. You're getting all the long oh, ones. Vegan's written a book for me. Okay, picture the scene. Picture the scene, John. Close your eyes. Hold on, picturing. Okay, you rock up to a race. And oh, wow. Like, <laughs> what, what a race. race. Well, this must be the House of Travel Triathlon Festival. Oh, look at everybody. Oh, I think it was BJ DJ. Everyone looks so happy. It's 27 <laughs> degrees and sunny. sunny. <laughs> um, as someone you've not seen in ages, but have been in contact with via email, Twitter, Facebook, etc., is doing the same event. Your time is under pressure from official meet and greet commitments for sponsors, race directors, and press. Although tapering, you've squeezed in your training for the day. You start chatting away when someone butts in looking for some of your time. Now you've got an option to break the conversation off your friend you may have not seen for an eight months or so. 
or, or chat with a total stranger, knowing what your next engagement is in, in, imminent. I am try is unique in that it is you get to mingle with the races before the pros. Turn this around and pitch a football, basketball, or a golf star is likely to be whisked away by the police escort doing their thing. Maybe give a five minute interview to the press only. Uh, the event and then jump in a helicopter and fly off the pros have no obligation to the age groupers it's nice that so many genuinely give a lot of their time to meet talk and interact with us but Kona is the busiest time of the year for the likes of Chrissy in terms of media commitments and one of the few chances she'll have to catch up with people outside of Boulder so cut her some slack and realise that all of the 2,000 age groupers all demand 5 minutes of her time of her time and she'd be there for a month catch up for her out and about any other time and I'm sure she'd love to have a chat more than more and more pro athletes are now on Twitter and have Facebook pages ask them a question and they do respond Nick the Admiral Rosie asked Hillary to talk on I Am Talk or was Nick the, the oh, chair Admiral sorry I gave Fegan the credit for and that and she's up for it hint hint okay so basically they're saying that these guys are actually really good if you, you go on the social networks yeah so and Admiral, then Admiral Rosie came in. I, like Fegan, agree that we can very get up very close and up to the, up and close to the pros at races. It's the nature of our sport. Uh, we race the same course and cross the same finish line. The closer you get to race day, the more space we should give them. You wouldn't try uh, to ask a Premier League footballer for his autograph while he's warming up for a game. I think people probably would. They probably would. They're yeah. yelling out from the crowd. Uh, give our pros the same courtesy. I've also a few favourites, Hilary Biscay being one. I met her at Ironman uh, Wisconsin after her first race win. Amazing speech, bumped into her on the way out. Friendly and answered a few questions, but she was with friends, so not too chatty. Didn't get offended. Congratulations. Congratulated her and carried on. I met her again in Kona in 2009, where she was um, supporting Mike Twilsick. Couldn't shut her up. Introduced her to Mike. Told us about plans for 2010 and signed books, and even recognised us a few days later. Very impressed. Um, like Vegan said, social networking is a great way to ask what you need to from a pro. It, um, it can't just be me that loves it when you get a response. The pros are like one of the bonuses in our sport, but I don't think they owe us anything. I think most like to give at the right moment. Vegan must have been talking to Gordo about it because Gordo came back and said, uh, I think it really depends on the person. Some folks handle it better than others. Doubt any of us has a right to anyone else's time. Your thoughts, John? I think most people here have summed it up pretty well. I think you've got to give... You know, it's, it's down to the pros to make themselves as marketable as possible. And I would say that the Ironman athletes are far better at doing this than the short course athletes. Oh, really? The short course athletes sometimes get a bit of a gun held to their head and say, you have to do this yep. because they're being, um, they're, they've got to sign contracts with ITU, etc. Um, to do and, media and stuff. Yeah, and, and yeah. a lot of them... They come through a system where you know maybe you're, you're very sporty at school. You come out of school and you're straight into full-on triathlon. You go to uni and you're basically doing it all the, all the way through. And you, if you get very good, you get big payouts from your your government, uh, your sort of yep. sporting body. And so you often don't have to. Uh, you, you still have to obviously work. You don't have yeah. to make yourself a business. Basically, you can make enough money out of support and um, out of prize money. And I'm talking for the top guys here, yeah. the top top guys. That you don't sponsors are great, and that helps your income a lot. But it's not absolutely critical for you, and so you don't have that reliance on them. And you don't need to be as marketable. 
but it helps if you are. Um, so I think the Ironman guys are very, very good at it, and some are better than others. And I think it's it's really up to up to them how much um, they want to put in, and they'll get return if you're more marketable. Someone like say Brian Rhodes, who's um, you know, he's won Ironman races, but he hasn't sort of been a top ten guy in Kona. Markets himself very, very well, yep. um, and so he makes more money accordingly to to somebody else who um, might get a podium on Ironman um, and you never hear from them never hear from them again um, so I just I'd echo what other people have said here you've got to give them space I mean hell if, if I was ever that good I wouldn't be wanting to talk to people in the day before the race I basically I would have my blinkers on and I'd be focused on the race and likewise on race day afterwards by all means you know Skype to people say day, and, and I'd expect a hello back um, I think the thing is is yeah. that um it really, like Gordon says, it really depends on the personality. But I think one thing is, is as the pro, you can't sell something you're not. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's something we have in my industry. In my industry, you do be hit, like in my own little world, you have a level of fame. And, you know, like I go to these conferences and, you know, like I know, I know that Chrissy experience where I walk in a room and, you know, a thousand people will know who I am and I don't know any of them. And, you know, you're, they're watching you, you know, and you kind of have that thing. But the thing is, is. If we if we're on like the Facebooks and the Twitters and we're really friendly to people all the time and then when they see us in public we just totally snob people yeah. you know what I mean and I know there's in my industry there's some instructors who do that when on stage they're yeah. like these people are so you know open to people and then they get off stage yeah. and it's like they don't even acknowledge people yeah. and so and people really hate that because yeah. they just they see you as a fake yeah. and and a bit of a sellout and so I think. If you are a pro in a situation, the key is just to really be what you are all the time. Mm-hmm. If you're not someone who is that social, well, don't try to sell that. Mm-hmm. You know, don't try, just, just, you know, like I know there could be a, a money advantage to having a big audience, but do it in a way that's still true to your core values. Yeah. And, you know, maybe even you communicate that you're someone who doesn't like, you know, you need your yeah, space yeah. close to a race so that people will respect that. Yeah. Because people will take your time and people will just judge you by looking on the sidelines. And I think for us pros, there's so much expectation on them and so yeah I think that in this situation we guys we've wrapped it up pretty well but I do think you know you need to be pretty easy on the pros and you just got to respect the situation that as a couple of people have said it's unique we've got a unique sport we can actually meet the, the, the top pros and Kona and stuff and but just give them a bit of space before the race. But look, I even know for me, when we're in these races and we're trying to get interviews with the pros, I still feel rude asking. You know yeah. what I mean? You go up to them and you're like, yeah. oh, hey, you know, you've been here for my own talk and yeah. we'd love to get you on the show. And, and I know there's an advantage for them to have an interview on the show because, mm. you know, this audience is pretty big. And so for them, that's really valuable. But I, I'm, I always feel a little bit like I'm invading their space. Mm. But that's my job. But, you know, it's like... It's one of those tough situations, isn't it? It is. Yeah. So, so there you go. This week's discussion, John, what was it? Oh, that's right. It's sent but through by Sean of the Porno. Oh, nice. Um, I think, we, where are we? Where are we? Should there be mandatory slowdowns? Oh, no, I wasn't sent through from Sean of the Porno. That's next week's one. Oh. So Matt and Ben, uh, Matt and B, I'm not sure if it was Matt or B sent it through, but they were at a race recently, and I think it was actually the 70.3 champs in Phuket, uh, and there was granted there's some very steep descents there, and apparently there was a mandatory slowdown on one of the hills. You really had to slow right down to avoid um, crashing. So the, their question is, should there be mandatory slowdowns on dangerous descents, or um, should there basically just be signs warning you about it, and if you crash, it's your fault? Okay, good times. Mm. Mandatory slowdowns. I talk about it when we're allowed to, till next week. Yes, I yes. slap your bottom. Oh, well, see, look, we've already done 30 minutes. Okay. Should we do Age Group of the Week? And do Age Group of the Week websites being bumped for the second time. <laughs> nice. Okay, here we go. Here's some music. 
Stage Crewmember of the Week. Okay, good old Tim and Becker sent through this one. We're not quite sure of their last names, but Tim and Becker. Love you. Oh, Tim Tinsley. Yes. Yes. Tim, maybe it was probably Tim. Tim maybe Tim. Becker had nothing to do with it. Maybe he didn't. But maybe they did. Maybe they're together. They love this person. Mm-hmm. Either way, our age group of the week is Coach Steve Carlson. Carson. 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 Okay, we'll go with Carson. Carson. So he's a top bloke, John. Is it? And, and what, what Tim and Becker, or maybe we're just Tim, have done is they've given us hit points of why he's such a top oh, bloke. Right, bullet points. <laughs> so do I I anybody, and not that we're broadcasting professionals or anything, but hey, whenever, let's be honest. whenever you send anything through to radio or to media or anything like that, you do it in bullet points. They love you. Yeah. It's just easy. You just, it just yeah. leads conversation. I'm actually getting a new website done at the moment from the people who do ours, actually. Right. New website done right now. And that's how we communicate. What I need done? Bullet points. Boom, boom, boom. And then she just comes back and goes, done, done, done. Ah, oh, it's a win-win, John. It is. Okay. So, Coach Steve Casson has represented GB at age group um, level numerous times, including Budapest, which was the... ITU Short Course Worlds this year and Althon this year, which um, I don't know what was it Althon, a race, world long distance. Yeah, we're at uh, we're in in Iman start, I think. So I'm not quite sure it was on at Althon, but it must well, have been good. Well, not over yet. John. Maybe it was a European chance. There's another bullet point. He fits his training not only around work, but he works one month on, one month off out as in Iraq as a telecoms consultant for the US military base. Uh, so he has less than ideal training conditions, including incoming fire when things are really grim <laughs> there a couple of years back bugger that for training conditions do you know what uh, who was in Iraq at the moment um, doing some training with some of the troops don't know a one ball who was one ball one ball yeah who was one Lance ball? Armstrong oh is he there was a thing on, on Everyman Try that I saw this morning when I was just scanning around seeing if there's any last minute news coming in there's, there's a slight hope we can get an interview oh really like a 2% chance but it's right. better than a 0% chance it's better than zero because Cat yeah. was saying that she can get us to his media guy. Right. And then maybe, because he might be in New Zealand soon. It's in January. No, yeah, but he's coming for a holiday soon. Ah. Yeah, and so maybe we might be able to get him on a show, John. Right. Uh, highly unlikely. Under promise, Under over deliver. <laughs> That's what we try and do. Anyway, he's in Iraq. Okay. He's, so is uh, so is Steve. So Steve, you see him out there. One month on, one month off. That's crazy, isn't it? it? Is. Mm. He's a BTA level three coach. Uh, number four is coaches uh, North Hands North Hands Tri Club five helped set up the club's first children's tri camp this summer nice work sounds a bit like coach John Newsom uh, just finished a stint helping out a para triathlon coaching weekend well, maybe you have some Olympians there fighting Olympians was responsible for convincing me I could compete Ironman UK um, with him in 2005 hey long time listener who introduced me to this podcast a year or so ago so yes. hey that's deserved just in itself however uh, Steve does have a weakness his own kryptonite John we could say yes it's mud I've yet to convince him of the fun to be had competing in a muddy off-road duathlon, mountain bike race, etc., or exterior event. But nobody is perfect, eh? Uh, even so, Superman has. So Steve's got a website. So we put up his website, which is this one here, and I must say Steve's got a bloody good smile. Uh, but if you want to check out his website, you want some coaching, it looks like he goes pretty thorough into it. He does all his analysis mm-hmm. and all this kind of stuff. Uh, you can go to www.cassonz. So Casson and then two S's and then a Z at the end dot. Calm. I'll put a link to that on www.iontalk.me if you want to check out you want to coach um, and he's got lots of cool stuff on his website uses Swim Smooth we've got to get that guy on yeah Swim Smooth guy give us an email we'll get you on New Year he's emailed us before he's got a good surname but it's got an E on the end Paul Newsom. yeah that's right Paul Newsom. 
Well, it's pretty good to remember that. I suppose it's the same last name. Same last name. Yeah, true. Yeah. But still, so check out his website. If you want some coaching, go check it out. It's all good on his website right there. And then that's uh, so sponsor. No, no, Steve. Oh, Steve. Steve Casson, you are our age group of the week. Okay, sponsor coffeesofhawaii.com. I'm pulling up John, free bag of 100% Kona coffee for orders over $40. If you go to imtalk.me. What's something else on there? Click on it. I'm sure there's something else that we were well, I was, I was, I was going to mention on there. Um, come on, let's, let's see their flash file flicking through. Oh, yeah. Go to, go to their homepage, maybe. I'm sure oh, there's home. something flashing on there today that. There we go. That's there what we it was. go. Holiday gift is John. Holiday gift. Oh. They're back. Oh. Now there's 12 days left, and we're recording a show on and Tuesday. But what they've got on their website, John, which is great, is the best shipping option to get it before Christmas. So if you want to get a Christmas present, um, last day to ship US priority mail to US addresses is on Monday the 20th of December. Yep. And last day to ship uh, FedEx is the 21st of December. So if you're an international listener, you need to get on it. Now. ASAP yep uh, and get the Christmas tins great little thing we've talked about various different options there for presents Christmas tins another option there click on that Bevan it's okay, a holiday gift on. tin click on it's a holiday gift tin and there's a tin with a lovely bow oh it doesn't bow you can, you can have uh, look at that combines John. three you know what it does John it, it just is a nice packaging. Yes. You unwrap the present, you go, oh, what's this? Because you wouldn't know, would you? You wouldn't. No, you'd be like, oh, what's this? <laughs> it smells good. And you, and you get a tin at the end of it, and it's got three different bags of Hawaiian coffee. Yep, it's and there's different varieties. So we've got the three island gift tin there, but there are other varieties that you can choose based on you know island style gift tin or Moloko estate gift tin and so on. So you could build your own one as well. So nice. Here you go, people. If you're struggling for presents, Coffee is the answer. Use the code IMTALK. If you want to get it in time for Christmas, you better get onto it. Or you can even just give a gift card. Right. Gift, gift. Yes, very nice. Yeah. Very nice. Very nice. Very nice. I answer coffeesofhawaii.com. And if you do spend over 40 bucks, you still get a free bag of coffee. Okay, we're not going to do age groups. We're going to talk about one new thing that we're going to be introducing in the new year, John. What is it? All right, hold on. New feature. New feature. Workout of the month. Oh, can, I, can, we do, can I be involved? Okay, yeah. Okay, ready? One, two, three. Workout of the month. See, so now we're a team again. Right. So Brought to you by who? Endurancecorner.com. Okay, so what's Endurance Corner, John? So that's Gordo's business, um, They and they run various camps. They run coaching services. They've got a very active forum. They've got lots of free stuff on their website as well. Lots of great writers too. Yes. And, yeah, great um, content. And they've got, you know, he's, he, Gordo's good at getting together lots of different angles you know he's got sports scientists and uh and, and it's intelligent stuff isn't it, it mm. like it's you know it's really really great information with intelligent people writing oh there's a russ 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 i love Russ. no the, the mohawk's gone oh russ what happened to the mohawk um so what we're going to do is uh, on our facebook oh, but page back it up corner i'm loving that photo <laughs> he's got the aviators yeah also top gun uh basically we're going to have on our facebook page a workout of the month topic and it's down to you guys to basically send in um, a particular workout based off our... So every month we're going to give a, a, one area of workout. So we might say this month we're going to do a run or... or a, t- a specific type of run or a specific, yeah. say, say, a strength ride or an Ironman-specific preparation And ride. then you guys can go on Facebook and you guys can actually write down your workouts. Mm-hmm. Then what we're going to do is we're going to give it to one of the Jones Corners coaches because they have coaches there and camps and stuff like that. And they're going to do... 
a breakdown of what you're doing with that session. They're going to go do the session and then you're going to give us feedback. We'll have an interview with them and they'll say, well, this is sort of addressing maybe this particular energy system. It's probably is good for this time of the season or that time of the season. Um, these are the pros and cons of doing it. And, um, and yeah, we're just going to see how it rolls and see how it pans out. And um, if you're interested in doing any sort of pre-season camps or any in-season camps, they run various ones during the year, go to endurancecorner.com and um, I will get this up in the next week for the first uh, Facebook one. Okay. I'll get it up there. And what the plan is, we'll do the first sort of interview in mid-early uh, mid January and basically go through Release a workout based off the feedback you guys give us. So it's going to be pretty straightforward and we'll go over it a bit more next week, but I'll get it up there this week. Okay, so it's all good. And this week's, uh, this week's one is going to be, uh, well, this month's one is going to be based around um, a strength run of no more than 90 minutes um, so it could be something like hill reps or doing some sort of resistance work in a, in a run um, but uh, no longer than 90 minutes and a, have a good strength component in there so any your favorite type of run or, or a run that you might like to do an experiment with just submit your ideas and we'll choose one and they will go and review it okay good times so again if you want to check out some great content go to endurancecorner.com and one other thing they do which Scott is really big on is this camp so you can check out some of the camps they're doing we'll talk about more of those later on down the piece okay John we're not going to do website of the week we're going to talk about a young man called Brett Sutton yes Brett Sutton uh, first of all we must say big thanks to Fegan you know like Brett's not the kind of guy who does lots of interviews mm-hmm. it's a bit of a coup getting someone like Brett on the show mm-hmm. um, so just thank you so much Fegan really means a lot to John and I and the yes. community yes. and have a hug no oh, are you sure <laughs> yes hugs Positive. are good hugs not drugs hugs not drugs so here comes Brett Sutton if you don't know much about his background we'll go into a little bit of it there but basically he's the lead coach at Team BB and he's got a huge history in producing world champion athletes okay then here we go on the show today, we've got uh, a man a lot of people have heard about over the last few years, Brett Sutton. Um, a lot of you guys will know of him for, uh, from more recently because of the, the rise of Chrissy Wellington and Team TBB, but he's been around a lot longer than that. Uh, I remember back in the early 90s when he coached... Oh, ben, back in the days. Back in the days. I remember Ben Bright winning a world title in Wellington and Juniors, and then Siri Lindley also springs to mind. She, I met her as a... a pretty average pro she went across to, to train with Brett and turned into a, a world champion and world beater and others like Joe King and he's a bit like the, the John Hellmans of New Zealand who he's had a bit of an input in the majority of the, the top athletes we've produced in New Zealand and Brett has a similar sort of thing in Australia a lot of the athletes who've gone through their programs have had some sort of interaction with him so welcome along to the show Brett. Thank you very much, mate. It makes him sound like a dinosaur. <laughs> well, I've been, you've been around longer than I have, and I started, uh, I think, in the early 90s. So, no, it's good to, good to have you on the show. And one, one part of your background that, that people have um, discussed before is before triathlon, you were sort of into the, the greyhounds and, and the horse racing. I mean, yes. is that very similar to triathlon? I mean, they're, they're, they're racing over fairly short distances. I mean, are the principles um, similar, and do you bring that across to your coaching? Principles are very different in certain ways, but I first started out, I come from a long line of coaches, so my mum and dad, when I was a kid, used to coach, and I used to wag school to do learn to swim when I was between 12 and 15. In fact, I, I left school when I was asked to, because I end up, uh, it was quite a funny story, actually. I was actually teaching learn to swim to what happened to be the maths master's kid, and he whopped a, uh, whopped a period of school to come and see his... Uh, child do the baby proofing and found I was his teacher. Oh. So 
it, that's that's how far back it's gone. So you know, I've always been involved in coaching. Um, when I first started, I, from that part, I'd left school at 15 and started my own squad, and um, I ran I ran into success straight away in swimming. However, I also ran into the backlash that I was too young to actually deal with it and the parents involved and, and that's when I first got into the animal training I went and apprenticed with the greyhounds first with a, a person who I taught his children and um, I just went from there and um, come back into the sport did my own professional careers while I was a coach and so basically I've been doing coaching the whole way so um, one of the things that did come back I, I feel that my coaching uh, really improved in 2004 um, after the Olympics, uh, my brother, who was the national men's swim coach, and I made a pact that we'd go back to horses. And so I shifted back to Australia for 18 months, and we went back and uh, actually trained horses again. And, um, uh, you know, obviously I loved it, but it really uh, gave me a bit of a rebirth in, in, into uh, the training procedures and helped, if, if you could say, reshape what I was thinking about with uh, the mental side of the, the athletes. Uh, I just wrote an article on our website recently, whereas when I come back into the sport, I, I never bought a new stopwatch. I, I stopped actually timing athletes and people that's been around for years, male ex-athletes, when they drop in, which they do time to time, the ones that still talk to me, <laughs> uh, find it uh, find it very weird that, you know, I don't even own a, a stopwatch on my on my actual wristwatch and so they noticed quite quickly that uh, what we try to do uh, is a little bit different and, and that's been the difference between you mentioned the short course athletes yeah. um, when I come back uh, it was a funny experience but anyway I got back and came into Switzerland and, and then we decided to uh, you know do long course racing and, and look at the Ironman because you know maybe I'd taken enough uh, taken enough hits from the people that know everything about short course I thought everybody started saying well he doesn't do long course because he doesn't know about it I thought well we'll give that a bit of a bash and, and that's where we went to and then you know every now and then you get athletes that come to you that uh, you've known over the years and we went back into short course and Timmy uh, Tim and Don with Ben Bright yeah. the inevitable guy as the coach we we worked together with uh, Tim and we got him on the world championship uh podium much to the dismay of all you New Zealanders <laughs> yes and, um, then we um, you know it's basically gone from there and at the moment I, I, we trained Chrissy of course and training next to Chrissy was uh, one Nicholas Berig so yeah. um, you know basically we're back into it however I never took up the stopwatch again and, and so it's um, basically because of the horses yeah. you know. just, just, just one thing on the horses you know like with humans, we the mental game is such a big aspect of what we do. With horses, do you approach the mental side at all? Like how do you, you know, like it's a different oh, game? With- all horse training, all horse training is about the perception, you know. And I've never been backward in coming forward about. There's very few good coaches in triathlon, yep. um, and that's that's what feeds me basically. You know, people come to me as the coach of last resort, uh, and have done all over the years because of my situation. So. You know, they're scared of the Brett Sutton you know, persona that comes before it or, or the myth that a few people who were very jealous in the game started off very early bagging me and, you know, it, it, it caught on and 
So basically, uh, you know, you mentioned Johnny Hillemans. Mm. Uh, John invited me to go to Christchurch in 2000. We spent six months together and, uh, you know, I can – it's not a mutual admiration society, but he's one of the four coaches I find in the world that I talk to about triathlon yep. because they, they don't understand that they've got no idea. And, and unfortunately, you know, because you happen to know your business uh, – you're the one that gets called called out, but you know triathlon is is, is put together and in, in, in with coaches that were a ex athletes. So whatever I did, you know, uh, must must work for other people. So you've got the, the two types of people. And the other thing is the sports scientists that come out of university and they've got nowhere to go because if you go to swimming, they get you know told stay in the corner, give us some advice, and then keep away. So you know triathlon was ripe for those type of people. You know, so we have a we have a whole gaggle of people who have come straight out of university and, and, and lived on their Benelli's principle and, you know, chewed a bumper's their hero and when it comes to periodization, stuff like that. And it has absolutely, absolutely nothing to do with triathlon. Triathlon's a sport that is very, very unique. And, um, you know, I just happen to be the one person that can take people from nothing and make them good triathletes. So obviously we must train too hard we must break them we must do all that stuff so of course i carry the chip on both shoulders when i listen to people uh, you know pontificate about what they know how they know it and the only thing they don't have is results but that's you know that's because they're unlucky so i mean obviously a, a big part of your the program that you run is <clears throat> from, from my understanding is, is getting the athletes into a a camp environment and um, and feed it. You know, you really getting to know them and and addressing that mental mental side of it. I mean, the training the athletes do is it massively different to you know your, your typical sort of textbook approach. And obviously, coaches around the world sort of manipulate that around to, to their own philosophy. But is is it a case of you? Is, is what they're doing in training massively different to, to what they would do with, with other coaches? What we what we specialise in. Uh, is is different in in the way that look the training is very very similar in certain areas it's it's how you put the mix together so we I find it quite uh, exasperating and some of the members that come in that they actually train much harder when they were doing their own thing mm-hmm. um, they tend to overtrain in, in Ironman you know if, if you can't stay if we're talking as a, we'll go back to horse parlance you know yep. if you're not a natural stayer it's very difficult to race for eight and a half hours. Um, and so that being the, the basis that I work off, that, you know, if they are capable of going long, such as a Chrissy Wellington, you know, she did very little work compared to what most of the, most of the top people do. Now, when I say that, don't get me wrong, how she does it is quite extraordinary. However, we weren't doing the seven-hour rides and six-hour rides and we weren't running the, you know, the... the, the three-hour runs and stuff like that. Um, that was never part of her program. And so when people come and see the tray, they were quite shocked at the, the way it's broken up and, and, and changed around. Now, when I say that, let's not, let's not uh, chocolate coat the outside. What we do is extremely, uh, uh, how can we say, uh, most people call it boring. <laughs> but, um, you know, it, it's a very, very ongoing thing so you know we, we work in cycles we don't work in seven day cycle I don't know whoever invented that but it's a terrible thing and so you know but over a period of 10, 10 days we try to cover uh, you know 
different bases. And then when we do that, you know, we're happy. And so what I find most people trying to jam into seven days, we try to spread it out over a 10-day period. Now, within that 10-day period, people get what we call two wildcard days where they can put their rest in where they are. So everybody's different, you know. So from that perspective, that's where I'm a little bit more effective, I suppose, and need them to be in a camp situation because, you know, Thursday afternoon is not a rest day or Saturday morning is not a uh, active recovery session. Uh, you know, we, we, when we're in camp, have a loose outline of what we're trying to achieve and then we basically uh, go about doing the workouts to, uh, to achieve that. Now, and, and that means in most cases we might have, if 10 athletes are on board at any given time, we have, might have six different programs running at the same time. And that's where it, the myth starts to grow that, you know, they do weird, funny stuff. What we do is consistent stuff. Um, we don't periodize like everybody else does. Um, again, when we come back to the horses you mentioned before, the horses are maybe 10 times more nervous and flighty than humans. And so humans, because they can talk, uh, tend to tell you lies either in two ways one people want to overtrain you know that they'll work to the leg falls off Loretta Harrop you, you mentioned yeah. whatever like if Loretta come to me and said I've got a little bit of a you know sore spot here I'd, I'd bring the ambulance because <laughs> leg was about to fall off you know like she could do things because she was a girl that was always injured uh, before she even came to me. funny enough that the reason she come to me was because of her problems so we, we did the old horse stitch up on her and, you know, we'd get her ready and we'd, we'd trial her on the Thursday back in the day when World Cups. Yeah. You could fly around the world and get their Saturday start Sunday. So, you know, Loretta maybe couldn't be the champion she was today because we used to give her the workout on Wednesday afternoon and, and, and if her legs were all right and she was able to, to race, then we'd just say, okay, get on the plane and away we go. Uh, there was no way in the world that we could have got to the World Cups like they do now, mm. now with the way her legs were. But her legs were like that always, you know, and so she coped with it. But, I mean, her idea of, you know, backing off was running 80K a week. You know, I've got a stress fracture, so I can't run, you know. Okay, what are you doing? I'm going to go 80. Um, that, that's, that's what made her a fantastic athlete. Now, as a coach, my job's to protect those people. Um, and basically, people don't see that role, you know, and people like John Hellemans and Darren Smith, who was my sports science director when I was Australian coach, and now he's mostly the preeminent short course coach in the world yeah. with the girls. Uh, you know, the, the, they got that type of experience. And, you know, the thing with my group is now the lazy ones that are always going underachieving and, you know, you can always push a bit more out of them. I don't have them in my group anymore. It's just been one of those uh, things over time that I've been able to now do without. So if somebody is, is always sort of under underachieving uh, in a training situation, instead of me standing there barking orders at them, I don't do that anymore. You know, my my job's more of walking around, slowing everybody down. You know, Chrissy Wellington was uh, the case in point that, you know, and everybody will tell you that. She's opening up now, and I suppose the last argument I had with Chris was about two weeks ago. I said, you're an idiot. <laughs> uh, but that's, that's her life now, you know. Everybody's 
we used to get to the front and then turn it off because I, I don't believe I, I believe you burn yourself in Ironman. It's a very very hard sport, and and so going out trying to break records to make everybody happy is just shortening your career. You know, it's it's not yeah. like a fifty meter swim or a two hundred meter swim. I watched her at uh, I watched her at uh, Roth, and I'd never seen her hurt so much in the last five k of the run, and I. Uh, I got in the car and drove home with my wife and said, that, that's going to cost her big time. Now, we don't want to go into why, how, what and where, but I didn't see her at Hawaii. Yeah. And uh, people said to me, oh, you don't understand what you're talking about. I said, okay, well, that's fine. And that's, you know, she did the, exactly the right thing at that stage as well. But for me, again, that's where my job is. She wouldn't be going that fast if she was training with me anymore. That wouldn't, that wouldn't have been acceptable. One, one thing you mentioned there is, you know, you the, the classic periodization you don't really agree with um, in any shape or form to, to a degree. How do you, do you, does that mean you're pretty much repeating the same thing all the way through the year or are you, do you well, go will, into sports? Let, let, me say, let me say this very quickly for all the sports people to turn over in their grave that's listening to your program. <laughs> Tudor Bomper's periodization is bullshit. I learned it 30 years ago as a swim coach and I threw it out. And I put six people on the Australian swim team that particular year. We just, you know, it is crap. And Why? Uh, well, because we're in an aerobic sport. And so what we do is we build up all these big long course miles early in the season. And then we start to sharpen them up. And it's amazing. You see how many people have good results at the start of the season. They go, wow. And I say, look at me go when I do the fast work. And then as soon as they do the fast work, they're all broke. And they go bad. And then the next thing that happened, they oh, well, look, you've, had a, you've lost form. I don't know what's going wrong with you. Oh, poor you. Oh, you better take a break. And then two months later, they're flying again. Well, what have you been doing? Oh, well, I've just been going easy. Yeah, the, the problem with triathlon is it's an aerobic sport and it's three sports in one, but you, you must learn to train it as a triathlon. And, and, you know, without giving away too much of our advantage on everybody else, we don't look at it as, oh, that's the swim. Well, that's the bike, or that's the run. Everything I do for them in a swim program is because of what session I'm going to do the next time, if it's going to be a run session. You know. So uh, what we do on the bike depends on what session we're going to do next and how we go about it. You know. I sort, of, I sort of talk to the people who do know about these things. I'm training a classic medley swimmer. And those that come from swimming will know that... Uh, some of the best medley swimmers are not so great in all three or four strokes. However, when they put them together, they smack people that can medal in three strokes yeah. because it t it's a different training. You, you, can, you can win the butterfly, win the backstroke, win the freestyle and be 10th in the breaststroke in your national titles and get eighth in the medley where the guy that's won it, you know, got made the final of the freestyle, made the final of the backstroke, got third or something in the breaststroke and doesn't do fly. Um, he wins the medley because he trains for it. And so if you want to know the secrets of B. Sutton, the first thing we don't do is we don't do, you know, huge amounts of crazy mileage at the start of the season. Um, we basically uh, try to get a certain level of volume and then we try to hold that volume through the year. We don't back down on the volume. Uh, as we're getting closer to races and uh, we don't worry about the speed. As I said, there's no stopwatch. We do an Ironman. And I sort of took that across to uh, the short course races 
as more people come on board and Timmy Don come back and trained with us this season. And um, we eliminated a lot of his fast stuff. And, uh, of course, he went over to um, the major race in Des Moines and had a blinder. Uh, you know, and he was going to go very well at the World Championships this year. And, unfortunately, the ITU brought him undone by being first around the corner and <laughs> hit a six-inch pothole that was in the middle of the road. But anyway, that's 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 the problems we have within our sport. We can talk about them if you like. It's amazing. But but anyway, there's obviously a lot written about you um, and your methods, and and often we don't see you in, in the in the media very much. I mean, um, one a few of the things that people bring up is you seem to have athletes these days riding at quite quite a low cadence. Is that something? Do you just tell them to go out and ride how they feel, or do you specifically say I want you to ride at you know I don't know seventy five to eighty RPM? Well, it's, it's a definite different style of riding, and, and yes, we have some people do that. However, that doesn't suit that doesn't suit the majority. It's like a it's like a, a, a runner that runs on their ball of their feet or, or someone that runs on their heel. It depends on the individual. Just as Chrissy was pushing 76 cadence, you know, Belinda Granger was doing 92. Uh, both come out of our program. Uh, what, what suited each one uh, was what we developed. Um, Elizabeth Christensen, who's a great bike rider, has maybe run six to eight times under five minutes without a pack. Um, again, rides 90, 90 cadence. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've got a, a good little German girl who people are going to start and take notice of. Maybe after next year, she just can't swim. But you know, those that watch the sport, she went under five minutes, five five hours, and she weighs fifty kilo, and yeah. she went under five hours at um, Frankfurt yeah. on the bike. Uh, well. She rides at high cadence, so we we don't change that, or we encourage it if that's what's going to suit her best. The same as setups, you know, if someone being extremely steep is going to suit them, that's great. Now, one of the things we found with Chrissy was, uh, you know, she was much more efficient in a big gear, um, and so obviously, you know, this year, if anybody's watched Carolyn Steffen, they've seen the metamorphosis of a professional cyclist who spun at a hundred going down the Kona Highway in 66 mm-hmm. and um, but then got off the bike and, and run three, well, under 310 for an absolute mm. non-runner, mm. which for me was magnificent. Now, I've got no doubts in my mind, and that's the only mind I've got to worry about, <laughs> is that uh, had she been going down the Kona Highway at 100 RPM, she would have ran three hours 35 and yeah. still would have been happy with it because it would have been the best run. But again, I don't train cycling. I try and train triathlon, and uh, you know, it's like you know, it's like golf, I suppose. You know, driving for show and putting for dough. You've got to be able to run. And uh, for me, I set them up on the bike, which I believe is the way that's going to allow them to run the most efficient. Um, and, and so, and how what do we- you sort of do that? I mean. Um- is it just sort of gut feeling and, and you, you know it or do you, do you test them at different cadences? How do you sort well, of you test them at not only at distant cadences. You, it, you, yes, 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 we do that. Uh, that's a good point. But also you look at the, the, the physiology of the athlete. Uh, you know, Chrissy Wellington is, is a very, from the hips down, is a very, very strong female. Um, if you want to have a look at Carolyn Stephan, we don't call her Xena for nothing. 
that is one very powerful lady, you know. Uh, Jodie Swallow, who uh, yeah, we did pretty good, uh, pretty good with this year. Um, after all the years of her going up and down, I'm going to be the next thing. Yeah. You know, I'm not going to say she <laughs> doesn't have ability. She always did. But people just don't understand that triathlon's not swimming, biking, and running. And so when I sort of get people that's got three things that are pretty good, when we put them together, it's like magic. And then they, they improve 20 minutes, and then all of a sudden everybody's saying they're all running around taking drugs. <laughs> and it's, it's the opposite. It's just they're getting trained properly um, because other people just don't understand what triathlon's about. And, uh, you know, I give up, and that's what you said to me. You, you don't hear much from me anymore because, you know, I was a Z-lot when we first, you know, I started having success at it. And I thought, I'll explain to these people. I go to these talks. I sit there and, you know, cringe as... I was doing it as a national coach. I was national coach for Australia and giving out level twos and level ones and listen to these blokes tell these people and go, no, 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 doesn't, that, that works for that sport. It doesn't work for this sport, you know, and same so swimming. I, I was a, you know, I've had 24 people on Olympic swim teams before I even knew what the word triathlon was. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you cannot train triathletes like swimmers because it affects the way they, they run. So it took me, you know, it took me a while to get to hang of that because when I first came into the sport, I thought, oh, I'll sort everybody out here because they weren't doing anything swimming-wise. And so we did a lot of work in the water. And, uh, of course, I had great swimmers, but they couldn't run. And I think I was one of the main reasons for that was because of the main training. Yeah. So, of course, over the years, you, uh, you identify your mistakes if you're a good coach and, you know, you start – experimenting unfortunately with the slower athletes and you know and we do that all the time and, and so if you're not a good runner well you know i explain them well i want to try this out but they've got nothing to lose because they can't run anyway so we say you know if 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 this works you're going to improve if not you're not going to be any worse off but i can't see you doing this type of speed and we do that in all three things so you know every season i've got somebody practicing something different whether it be on the bike or on the run or on the, the swim. And then basically from that type of research, we, you know, if, if I've used something that's worked for somebody and I, I can see it working in the test case, I'll then work it into our program. And so from that perspective, it's important. You know, I, I, I see a lot of age groupers and, you know, a lot of people want to play triathlon. I understand that. But, you know, sometimes they're just taking the wrong way down the wrong track because – the unsuspecting coaches think that's what I've read in swimming. So, okay, that's what I'm going to do in swimming. Oh, this is how bike riding is. So they read the cycle magazines and go, okay, well, that's good. I'll, I'll do that. And then, then they read the run magazines. And so then all of a sudden I see some people are doing four anaerobic sessions a week because they just, you know what I mean? They've, they've just come together. They've got their swim coach over here, their bike coach over here, their run coach over here. And the next thing they're saying, oh, I do my musculation if you're in Europe or, or do the gym stuff. And I just sit there and I'm bewildered by it, you know. And so like, once again, like Johnny Hillemans, you know, used to do, you, he'd write a column or whatever and everybody just in the end, you just run out because you just, you know, they still want to, you know, I used to do lectures and then, please tell me what you were doing, you know. So then you put it all up on the board and show everybody and they say, oh, no, you're not doing that. <laughs> no, that doesn't work. You can't be doing that. That's, you know, well, where's your fast stuff? 
do, um, you don't do you know, what, 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 one other thing we've heard um, you know, about you is that uh, you don't really focus too much on technique and you're not really a big fan of four-foot running. Uh, just your views on those things. Well, I'm the opposite. I'm the technique guru. <laughs> I'll say that again for everybody out there. You listen to boys? Listen up, boys. I am the technique guru. I spend most time on it. But, you know, I don't sit there watching Phil Gabrilassi running. Okay, I don't sit there watching BB Abilke and say, okay, I'm going to take the 13 stone age grouper and set him up to run like Abib Abilke. Yep. Uh, you know, it's just insane. It's not, you know, I don't care if the god of toe running is sitting there. I, I, I just sent an article out to my guys because, of course, my biggest problem as a coach is keeping my, my own athletes away from all this shit because they <laughs> yeah, just keep going back to it, you know, and it's the same with the swimming. You know, I've had people that's gone from 107 to swim 53 and a halves with a straight arm and a breathing on the one side and no kick, and they've gone from being completely not competitive because they can't swim. And then I, Mr. Swim Coach, has got them down to like 54, 53 or 55 by using these so-called bad techniques uh, where they could never break 60 uh, trying to learn to swim properly. The little chicky wings and six-beat kick and, yeah. you know, stretch out, feel the water. You know, I, so, you know, without being controversial, but I, I used to... That's, that's not in your nature, yeah, is it? Never. Nah, well, no, that's the thing. Everybody says he's controversial. I can't help it if everybody else is doing the wrong thing. Mate, I was always taught there could be 50 in the room because I've got a different opinion. I've never had a problem with that. And that's one of the things that's, you know got me offside with most people that you know i can sit there and have 48 say you, you know we all think this and i said well <laughs> that's great fellas keep following it. Yep. um i know when i was national swim coach uh, and then i become national tri coach for i only lasted a year there was no problems with it because i said to the other coaches do what you think let's not be a generic team because that's a mistake because if we go this particular road we're going to ruin a generation of athletes if we're wrong if Miles Stewart's training his uh, son and doing it his way and they're working and doing great, if Michele Jones was working with her husband and doing it this way and they're doing it great, if people had problems, they come to Brett Sutton and I'd say, well, maybe this is the way you should, we, you know, and I got basically the sack because of that because everybody wants to have a homogenous one-size-fits-all program and, um, you know, that's why... The, the national state of Brett Sutton's had more winners in world championships than any country going around without any facilities, any pool, any this, any doctors, any sports nuts, nutritionalists, all that shit. Okay, because everybody that comes in is treated like an individual. And so, you know, it's not controversial to me. I, I can just say, you can look on our program today, like yesterday, I'll just give out some information to people because guys, when they're starting to do the straight arm stroke, they're saying, oh, you know, everybody beats us up. They laugh in my tri group and that. So I just said, go to YouTube and look at Janet Evans, the world's greatest ever distance swimmer. Uh, now, you know, both arms straight, breathing on one side, head at the eyebrows, you know, Poor old swim immersion or whatever his name is, rolling his grave. But he's making all the money on the age groupers, telling them about shit that they can't even handle. You know, feeling the water and that stuff. Like Craig Walton is a great swimmer. I used to take Craig Walton to some of my, uh, some of my lectures because, see, Craig I've known since he was 10. 
I used to lecture his father as a swim coach. His dad was actually a professional swim coach. So I used to see Craig every year when I'd go down and talk. He'd come with his dad and he'd sit there and we, we'd talk him through to swimming, you know. So I remember, you know, Craig had come to me because I couldn't get any traction in Australia and, so, and they, everybody's going, oh, you're a fantastic swimmer, Craig. You're a fantastic swimmer. Yeah, and Craig said, you know what, I couldn't get into his club team when I was swimming. Yeah. You know, I had four guys all break 152 back in 1986 or something to break the Australian record. And, but I don't know anything about swimming. Meanwhile, you know, Craig would sit there and say, mate, I could not make his team. Yeah. Uh, we don't understand what real swimming is. And then, of course, before anybody knew it, and I suppose I'll tell you guys, you'll be the first to know, I trained a girl, a guy from 3340, who was supposed to be a, a good runner in Australian running yeah. back in 1992. She trained with me with the triathlon, and thank Christ she had a ton of money. She married the richest bloke on the Gold Coast, so she didn't <laughs> want to do triathlon, but she could swim 4100s on 120. Yeah. Now, she came down and won the Australian title, went one. Went 3150 in 1992, I think, or 1991. Uh, she did one triathlon for me, and um, she gave two Australian team members like three minutes start in a 5k race. Uh, it was a short course race, and she had the she had the fastest run split of the men. <laughs> you know, so so I, you know, I've trained runners. We just don't understand that. I've had someone win the Australian Junior 100-metre championship uh, for girls and they ran 11.7 when she was 16. So, again, it's got nothing to do with triathlon, but it's got everything to do with training people. I've trained the Australian champion in professional boxing. I was a professional boxer. You asked me about the horses. Did I learn anything about that? I learned a great deal about that, you know, and I do incorporate a lot of the boxing stuff uh, for two reasons. One is you have to have incredible endurance like our sport, but you also got to have incredible strength. So they work against one another. So that if you train too much in one area, you're going to defeat the other area. And so you learn that in boxing. If you're off two-tenths of a second because you're tired or your timing's not there, you're going to end up getting hammered. So it's a very, very important thing. Again, there's no stopwatches doing the other work in boxing because every, you know, every... Every fight, you can't say, oh, well, he's going to do that and I'm going to do this. You can be floating along and winning three rounds in a row. Next thing, you're on your ass, so, you know, and you, you, you're actually, your survival is your main instinct for the next two minutes because, hey, I might be 10 points in front, but, you know, I don't think I can get to the end of the round. Now, that sounds an awful lot like me, the Iron Man. You see people going along there and everything's going fine and then all of a sudden the wheels fall off but nobody's taught them to play defence. They don't know what defence is. They think the defence is the thing you put around the house. <laughs> they won't back off. They won't say, okay, I'm bonking. I've got to slow down now. You know what I mean? I've got to get the food into me. I've got to just take it easy. I've got to get – I don't care if it's a fat sausage or whatever. Boom, down it goes, and then I can come back. <coughs> it's not taught in triathlon, you know. They will take another power bar. Oh, poor you. You should have had a salt tablet. You know, it's all just so mundane to someone like me in that area. I suppose so, the question, question I have in Embry, you know, is, you know, you, you're talking about how a lot, you know, for your athletes, you, you really do just look at the athlete and you're giving information, the really good information to that athlete and then based on that whole triathlete uh, philosophy you have. What, 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 
kind of message would you give to age groupers listening to this, you know, to be successful well, in our sport? Well, the first thing is obviously it depends. If you're doing long course racing, um, there's not one athlete, and that's what I was going to say to you, but I get carried away, I suppose. So <laughs> settle down. I settle down a little bit, but I just get so incensed because these people are getting such bad advice. Yeah, well, yeah, it's amazing. Uh, it's you know, it drives me insane. These nice people trying their ass out, you know, you know. <laughs> it's like running. Like, well, let's go for the four foot run stuff. Gabriel Selassie, when he was asked about what the difference was between going from marathon. From 10K, he said, oh, the, the most important thing, the hardest thing for me was the changing technique. He said, when you're only running three-minute K pace, <laughs> say that again for all the sports scientists, three-minute K pace, you're going slow and you just can't land on your forefoot. You've, you've got to change the way you, you land your foot. Now, of course, what would he know about it? But what would we know about it? Because our best runners only run at three-minute K pace in the 10K run. So here's the guy saying to the world, my biggest problem was changing my technique because I had to run more midfoot. So I've got Mr. Age Grouper out there getting off his bike trying to do the pose method after he's been going for seven and a half hours. It's insane. You know, we try to teach people to walk fast. And that's what we're, that's what we're about, you know, like Carolyn Stefan. <laughs> Carolyn, I know that's what you've been taught. That's lovely, darling, but guess what? You're not going to hold that together for more than 3K. Yes, I know. Every time I race, I just I, I'm walk because she was leaning forward, chest forward, knees high, landing on the ball of the foot. It looked terrific for a lap and a half um, when you're fresh. And, um, you know, it had just collapsed. Now, you know, triathlon to me and I, man, is everybody's going to collapse. It's he who collapses less that goes the fastest. And so, you know, we stood her up. We said, look forward, don't lean over, you know, get your centre of gravity back, try to land more on your heel and uh, be upright and then we'll just try to practice turning it over. We dropped all the speed work as far as what she, what all you people consider speed work. We just dropped the lot and um, she improved an hour. So, so you're um, for age rippers? I'm saying to age groupers, stand up, get a nice little cadence. Don't be worried about landing on your forefoot. It's all bullshit. <laughs> you, what, what you need to do is work out how many strides am I going to take over a marathon? And it's the same with swimming, you know. Okay, you get a nice stroke and you can hold it together for 50 metres for your swim coach. Lovely. So what do you do for the rest of the 3,750 other metres? If you work it out that you might take a stroke – and this is for the muscle guys or get in the gym. That'll make you swim better. Do the, do the, do the, do the gym work. That'll, that'll help you swim. And only go in the pool twice a week. But, you know, do two or three gym sessions because that'll help you swim. And, mate, that's what the age groupers are told. I can't say oh, I know that anymore because I stopped reading all that shit about five years ago. But it used to drive me insane, these books of, you know, Joe Finkel and some other guy is going to tell you how to swim faster in the weight room. Meanwhile, I watched Kieran Perkins go 1440 uh, and, you know, he was the weakest bloke you've ever seen. Never even carried his own swim bag. He was that weak. He didn't do, <laughs> didn't do any weights. You know what I mean? Like, oh, no. You know, no, his coach didn't believe in it at that time. Also, his coach was a horse trainer as well, but we won't go into that. But, you know, I, all I'm saying is that 
what I bring to the party is a whole experience from lots of different things, you know, and, and, and with the age groupers at the present moment, if you're going to swim 3,800 metres, that means you're going to take 3,800 strokes. And if your body's gone after 100 of them, I don't care what your technique's like, you're going you're gonna to struggle. And then you're going to get on the bike and be awful for the first 30K till you recover from the swim. And everybody in triathlon knows it because they get on, they'll say, geez, I know that phenomenon. You know, I, got a, I couldn't even ride that. And then all of a sudden I come good. I don't know what it was. I started to ride really, really well. And then they go, so I have to change my bike program because I'm just not going early. And, and what's wrong with them is that their swimming is so out of condition. They can't hold the stroke. Their arms drop off. And then, you know, they've got another 3,000 metres to go. I watch, you know, I see all the programs that people come to me and send to me. And I go, okay, they do the warm-up, do a bit of kick, a little, little bit of this, a little bit of that, something else, and then go, four 200s, main set, four 200s. And then they wonder, you know, and then so they come to me and I say, okay, well, what, how far do we go? Well, 3.8. So, okay, well, show me where you did the 4100s. What do you mean 4100? Where's the 2200s? Do you know what I mean? Where's the 10-4s? Yeah, but I'm an age grouper. I just say, sorry, guys. Aren't you going to swim 3.8K? Yes. Yeah, but I'm an age grouper. So I said, okay, so that means your 3.8K is different to what the pros swim 3.8K. Yeah. Oh, no, I never looked at it that way. Okay, when you go to the gym, what's the, oh, well, the coach has me do three types of training. Oh, yes, very good. We either do super compensation power works that we only do between five and eight reps. And then we do the next session is the hyper thing where we do between 14 and 18 reps. You've all read about it. It's all in the books. Yeah, yeah. And then oh, I do endurance training. One, we always do one endurance training. Yes, we do three sets of 25 reps. And I just look at it and go, okay, so you're going to do 3,800 arm movements and you just did your endurance is 25. It just doesn't stack, mate. So it doesn't stack. In terms of um, a lot of the sessions you do, like swimming, it is a lot of you know, 10 by 4, <clears throat> 20 by 2, 40 by 100, just, just lots of steady state stuff. And is, and is that similar? Well, yes, with age, groupers, with age groupers, we would do that once, obviously. We'd do that maybe once a week, but they would be told they have to do a set that's over distance. Yeah. And I don't care how slow you go. Uh, that's that's what you need to do. You know, it doesn't doesn't matter. The fact is that's how far you swim. So, yes, that's why we – and so all of a sudden you get all the maniacs saying, oh, he gives them these terrible, crazy sessions. And I heard they go and do track work and you know, when they do track, can you imagine getting on the track? He smashes them. They do 2,800s on the track. My God, that's unbelievable. But it's like, it's like 10 beats above their heart rate they're going to use in a race. So – most of my athletes get bored shitless because they're like, do I have to go this slow? Do I have to go this slow? Well, why are we going this slow? I said, because guess what? When you get off the bike and your heart rate's 140, training at 170 is not going to help you. Training just a little bit better than 140. So if, you, if you're going to hold 140 in the race, we're going to train this at 150. And we're going to teach you how to be efficient running with low heart rate. And that's the key. So that was the first half of the interview. We're going to do the rest of it next week on the show. John, Inter thoughts? Interesting stuff. Um, thoughts? I don't know if we've cut it because we've got it. Yeah, <laughs> but in general, I mean, my main thoughts about his stuff is I, I support a lot of 
the things he's saying. I mean, it's it's easy to sit there and bag other people and stuff, but he's got the results to prove that his way yeah. works with a lot of athletes. Um, but I don't believe there's one single way that you must do it. But I do agree that a lot of people do smoke themselves. Um, well, the interesting thing was, and I don't know, we've cut this interview, but um, he really does say it depends on the athlete. And I think hmm. that you know, like some athletes, he smokes and some he doesn't. And there's a lot, of, maybe a lot of misconceptions. You know, we get emails in saying, "Oh, all, all athletes ride big gears," and he says, "Well, no, they don't. They just we find, yeah. find what's right for them." Um, but I think the the biggest power behind the whole. Brett Sutton sort of thing is the mental aspect of it. Sure, the physiological training is massively important, and I think he's excellent at preparing athletes stuff, the yeah. right way. But I think the power of getting inside somebody's head, having that team culture, and so having the athletes totally put their faith in you, and yeah. him, him being the inspirational sort of guy saying, "This is what you're going to do, and if you do this, this is going to happen. It's just going to happen." Yeah. Having that complete faith, it's like a religion, and some people have called it a sect. And I think that is by far the biggest power he's got in that group yep. is if you fully fully believe in what you're doing it's, it's amazing what people can achieve and we've seen that in all sorts of sports and different things people surviving in different situations if you believe you can get through something then uh, it's you've got a much stronger chance of it happening so I think that's a huge strength good times well with the second half of the interview will be on the show next week um, questions and answers we got to, okay we're going to do another sponsor oh a sponsor you uh, talk, you Athlinks Com. Okay, I'll put it up. So one thing you can do on Athlinks that I've um, been doing for, say, my House of Travel race that's coming up is, uh, you know, basically getting these races that you've got coming up into your calendar on Athlinks. So you basically do a search to see if the race that you're doing is, uh, is on their books already. If it's not, you can add all the details in there and then basically tick that you're participating in it. It's going to mean that... Athlinks are going to be aware of it. They'll probably get the results up um, a lot quicker. Scott McNabb, the Christchurch athletes, now he's uh, he's coming out to help out, be a volunteer at oh, the event. Appreciate that. So is Dave Dwan, Zani Morrison's have, racing. Have you, have you got enough? Brian um, Hardy's racing. Brett Wiley's racing. Hey, he's back in town. Brett, Brett back in town. Oh, I look forward to seeing Brett. Uh, yep. So How long has he been back for? Oh, about a week or two. Oh. Um, but anyway, it's a really good idea to get these events into the, the Athlinks system. Then other people can tick what they're doing. Um... I wonder if any many people on Athlinks have ticked that they're doing my race. Anyway, um, but that's the whole idea. Is so we can say right, we're on this event, and you can see which other members are doing it, and we will occasionally give people a little bit of love. We don't type in the email. Oh, because I'm meant to be doing something else. Uh, you keep talking. Oh, You're doing your job here. Crikey, Dick. Um, so get on Athlinks.com. Get your events submitted. Um, get your rivals updated that we talked about last week. And if it's post race and you've done a race and the results aren't up on Athlinks, get them up there. Get in there. Well, you know someone who did that, John? Who? Belfong. Belfong, yeah. Yeah, because I was on Facebook the other day, mm-hmm. and on the wall, from Athlinks, she'd done a race. It is a, and it had the results. I, I do like the Athlinks, uh, the Athlinks Facebook connection. So you yep. can do your race, you can export it, and it pops up on your Facebook page and lets all your non-try buddies uh, see what you're up to and appreciate what you're up to. And more importantly, John, look at Dave Dwan's photo. Look at Dave Dwan. He's doing a Superman pose. He's coming around to see me at 10 o'clock this morning. He's, if, he, if we have any stuff ups with prize giving at the weekend, it's Dave's head is on the line. Oh, really? Yeah. Nick is on the line. Yeah. He's in charge of prize Dave, giving. Dave likes the mic as well. Yes. Yeah. He'll, he'll be trying to muscle in on yeah, you. Yeah, he was muscling in when we were down the old South Island half, I tell you. Yeah, if anyone. Like, oh, Bev, do you want to have a break, Bev? You're going to have to be fending him, and Rowley's going to be trying to muscle in as well. Oh, really? Rowley likes the mic as well? Mm. I'll say, look, I'm, 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 I'm the guru here. That's right. I'm DJ BJ. DJ I'm in the BJ. House. It's right, no, DJ it's my house. DD. 
<laughs> so athlinks.com I'll call him Dave, um, Dave Dobbin Double D. <laughs> okay, uh, that's athlinks.com. Okay, sponsors? Athlinks.com. Oh, I had no, I had no email to tell you. Okay, yep. Yeah. Um, um, get your races on there. Extreme endurance. Um, get faster. And I'm doing his copies really of the Y. Uh, uh, tins. Right. Okay, John, there's another email, but I have to tell you another email. That's right. We'll just, I just want to do this. Um, so we're fundraising for Kona. So we love all you people that are donating, and we, um, we. One thing someone did, which I thought was really cool, we haven't given the names yet, but someone donated and gave the name to someone else. Yeah, we've done that one. We've done a couple of those ones. No, no, it's like a week ago. Oh, okay, a couple of weeks ago. Oh yeah, maybe I remember that one. We've yeah, done that once twice. It's all good. So for a Christmas present. Yes. But we have to do it for next week's show. But if you want us to do a Christmas present, okay. donate to the show and we'll give them their nickname. That's right. actually pretty cool. You've got to remind me to do that prior You'd have to say it needs to be Christmas present done for next week's show. Yep. And to, we'll do nicknames next week. I've got to do nicknames because I'm going to be a bit busy on Monday. Yep. But I'll make, make it happen. So basically, Kona is getting locked in now. Um, yep. We're teaming up again with Endurance Sport Travel. Good times. So if you are looking at doing a race, um, Ken sent me through an email saying they've got Poussin. Uh, we always stuff this up every year and yep. I forget every time. Sorry, Albert. It's either Poussin or Poucon. I'm pretty or sure it's <laughs> But it's a 70.3 in Chile and it's just supposed to be spectacular in terms of a course. It's January 16th and, uh, and athletes always love it. So if you're interested in, in getting to any Ironman race, uh, they're also going to be going to Rev 3 in Costa Rica um, which is in February uh, so good to see they're not just doing WTC races Yep. and get on to ex- endurance sport travel and check them out and then we're going to be teaming up with them for Kona and they do a really great job they don't just provide the, the house they provide all the service lots so of options amazing amazing options so check it out it's uh, endurancesporttravel.com We'll have a link on our site. Yeah, we'll put a link we'll on put, We're going to have an advert up on our okay. site. Okay, they're helping us out again. Love their work. Okay, John, questions and, questions and answers. Okay, first of all, Sharon wrote it through a great email. <clears throat> I, I think I pulled off gold last week, John. Yeah, yeah, I do. I, yeah, I, yeah. I, I agree. Yeah, so I need to draw your attention to something. My husband, David Greenlight Kid Row, listens to your podcast every week, and I often do too. I love that Sharon does it as well. Nice. Like, they probably sit yeah. in bed and just come yeah. up and listen to us too. Ah. <laughs> Just right now, just rub her back, give her a scratch. Anyway, however, ever since listening to last week's podcast... (laughs) She hasn't got fleas. (laughs) Do you not like your back being scratched? Oh, no. Don't you? No. I love my back being scratched. And Joe's got the best nails in the world. I'm like, honey, can you scratch my back? And she scratched my... Oh, babe, I love you. (laughs) However, ever since listening to last week's podcast, he seems to be following around with some imaginary friends... (laughs) Des and Troy made a number of appearances this week, this past week, including at the local swimming pool at the regular 5k time trial we attend. Apparently, they helped him to a 5k PB. Uh, I have to say, they're imaginary as his skinny, uh, he's got skinny runner's arms. If he had guns like Hulk Hogan, then I'd understand. I believe Des and Troy will be around for a while still. If he thinks they will help him to get a sub 10 Ironman quest, it's all good. Only 11 minutes to go. Thanks for your work. Love your works. Des and Troy went down the track. You did as well, didn't you, John? I have done it. Where did you get it from? My mate now, Adam Adam Rigby. He's a a triathlete, actually. I'm not sure if he listens to the show. He went to um, the World Long Course Champs this year. So he's a pretty decent athlete. And uh, he pulled it out one day, and I was like, that is sensational. (laughs) (laughs) You should do a a YouTube clip of you. Okay, okay, here we are. I'm going to put the YouTube on, John. Okay, We've we've done this YouTube clip once before. uh, Wait, where's Photo Booth? There's Photo Booth. I've I've introduced it to Felicity and Thomas. Did they like it? They liked it. They liked it. So, wait a second. 
I'm trying to teach Thomas that I've done. <laughs> that was bloody funny. Okay, wait, I'm pulling up I'm pulling up the way John, this could take a few minutes. Okay. Um so uh okay, oh video, 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 video video's there. Okay. John, you could be in the chair. Oh uh, no, it's just your days in Troy. No, I know, but what you, you, you Oh wait, I'm gonna push your cord yet. Oh, we're recording. Are we recording? Oh, look, it's a win-win, John. Do you know why? Because I'm wearing the Bevan t-shirt as well. I noticed that before. <laughs> right. So anyway, so what you do... A demonstration. Okay, so you go, meet my friends, Dez and Troy, and together, they destroy! Right. You're going to be in the shop. Should I do as well? I've got... Okay, okay. Ready, ready? I need different names though, don't I? No, no, gonna, no they're, okay. they're twin brothers. Dez and Troy, destroy! <laughs> Anyway, our sponsors are on YouTube. <laughs> so, com, coffeesofwire.com, and X Endurance. And, uh, and by the way, if you're single and you want to check, pull that one out. I guarantee you'll be in my flint. Guaranteed gold. Hey, <laughs> I man, this isn't true. You'll see this on YouTube. Goodbye, YouTube. Go say goodbye, YouTube. I'll try. I'll try. Mm-hmm. James Lewis. Nice. Say so goodbye, YouTube. Breakfast. <laughs> Breakfast. Yeah, thank you, card. Look at that Christmas card. It's a Christmas card. Okay, let's you move on. Christmas cards? Uh, container store arriving. Yeah. Do you want some Christmas cards? Okay, sorry, wait a second. That was value, value, value that card. Shh. Goodbye, YouTube. What's that? Goodbye, YouTube. Hurry up. It's from your Jamie Rewood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just say Bye-bye, YouTube. See you, bye. Okay. Okay, back on the show. Here we go. So, um, they'll be on YouTube today. Anyway, what else are we doing here, John? Uh, so, yeah, Dez and Troy, pull that one out at work. And just one thing, one other quick email, Dan. Uh, I don't know his name, Dan somebody, was just saying we've been getting a lot of some information about the Iron Band and doing the Blazeman song. And uh, over the last kind of period I've been mentioning it, but I didn't actually say uh, where you could get it. And he's actually sent through all the links from right. where you can buy it from iTunes. So I think it's like $2 or a dollar. And it goes to the Blazeman Foundation, which is a foundation that goes towards ALS. Um, so check it out. Go on and support a great cause. And it's lots of triathletes and Iron Band getting together to create beautiful music. We've also got with Christmas. Uh, we're talking about lots of different things you can do for Christmas presents. Um, going, long, going Long, Going Hard DVD, um, the Epic Camp documentary on Length of New Zealand. It's still on sale. Great Christmas present. You go to stormyshop.com and you can get that sent anywhere in the world. But obviously, get onto it because Christmas is coming. Lastly, we've got lots of emails through about this video clip. Did you watch it? And it's, it's been posted on a few different websites as well. Yes. Yeah. It's another one of those ones where you. It's computer kind of graphics. Computer generated saying how much of a dick you are doing Iron Man and you don't have anything else on in your life, basically. Yeah, basically. It's pretty funny. It's, it's pretty insulting. Yes. But but true to form. Yes. Yeah. They all did the party trick. Mm. Okay, John. What's your goss? My goss. A lot of people enter late race into the races. Really? But that, so that's frustrating but good. It's frustrating but good. Tell but, me about uh, it. Even morning I get up, you know, between, say, I mean, I turn the computer off at, say, 9.30, 9.45, get up in the morning. Oh, you mean late at night, then? Yeah, it's like I get up the next morning, there's another five or six entries rolled in oh. between 10 and ten and 5 in the morning. Really? And, uh, yeah, no, a lot of people are entering late, and that's all good. Um, but I will have to cut off entries because of the timing chip issues and all things like that and got yeah. to get all that loaded in. But it's all coming together quite nicely. So, John, nicely. you've gone to the dark side to be the race organiser. Yes. What's, what have you learned? You need some assistance. Like I'm basically a one-man band putting on an event, which probably going to be pushing, probably going to be putting pushing 500 participants. Nice. We're up, First we're, year. Yeah, we're up to about I think as of this morning, sitting about 460. Um, that includes team members, yep. so about three 360 or so part, you know, racers, yep. I guess. Uh, but 
a few other complications I've had, like just getting people to be reliable trade searches and all that sort of stuff. Like, we had one, for example, one issue is fencing. You know, basically, I need about 500 meters of fencing. Yep. You can't get fencing in Christchurch at the moment. Oh, because it's, it's earthquake. Everywhere earthquake. Yeah. So at the moment, I've got about 200 meters. I need 500. And so it's, it's not the end of the world, it but work. it means I've got to have cone things off or have sort of taped areas taped yeah. off. It doesn't look as good. But just chasing people up to get things done and get things like signs written and things like that, it just I get frustrated when people under-promise. And, uh, and Over-promise, under-deliver. Where do I do that, John? You're just supposed to say, I can do it, I can't do it whatever I'm going to have it ready by this date and I, and then you've got to chase people up and it's just that's what frustrates me mm. but other than that it's a good experience I'm looking forward to it and I think it's going to be an awesome day like last weekend we had a training session out there that would have been I don't know 70, 80 people maybe ballpark out there oh, training great. and they were just loving it it's such a good location oh cool so make sure you allow a bit of time to get out there Bevan it's a bit, I know. bit of a journey I'm, to get there no, I'm, I'm prepared got somebody to fill in for your class apparently you hadn't got yep. that sorted no, on Sunday sorted that out good. sorted out when she was there Belinda yeah. was there yep she was there, no. Um, I'm ready, John. Really? You know what? I sort people. I've got to sort the class out for tomorrow. I haven't even done it yet. Right. It always works out. Never, never stress. Um, Good pro field, elite field coming in. Andrew Hewitt's now racing. Um, so it's going to be Andrew Hewitt versus Nicky Samuels. And then the guys side of things, it's going to be, it'll be a very exciting race. Wow. Good so, John, the big question is, is it going to be an annual event? Yes, it's going to be an Coming event. back next year? Coming back next year. Providing all the sponsors stumble, but I think the sponsors are getting incredibly good value. Really? So, uh, so you can up, the, up their fees next year? Yeah, I'd, I'd just like to... I'm, yeah, going to hit I'm, the count, I'm, I'm hitting the council up for more money because I think I can put on a bigger show with a bigger budget. Oh, nice, nice, nice. Okay, well, there you go. So this, if you're not into get in there now if you're in Christchurch, and if you're overseas, it's a good time to come to Christchurch this it weekend. Is, this weekend. <laughs> What's flights? happening in your world, Bevan? Um, Joe got drunk, right? and she spewed. Oh, Probably shouldn't be telling did, you this. Did she spew on the, in bed like over the, the no, duvet? No, no. Have I told you ago? my spew story? I got a really good spew story actually. Uh, was it in re- fairly recent? I remember you getting sort of dr- a little bit drunk recently. No, me. No, I don't. No? Oh no, 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 me. I don't. I don't drink. I'm fast. <laughs> John. No, one time years ago I went out for this girl. Was on band camp. No, Ooh, one time band no, camp. No. <laughs> but she spewed and she was angry at me because I was watching the league and she was being. Yeah. Re- I was sober. She's been really yeah. annoying, and she spewed and she threw a spew at me. That's disgusting. That's disgusting, eh? So anyway, carried that relationship on for a while, did you? I did it. She was going to marry her, and then I broke up about a month before the wedding. So there you go. That's, that, don't do that. That's when Kona came around. He's like, Stridlon, don't need weddings. <laughs> don't need weddings. No, Joe did spew, and she did tell me that last night. She was spewing in the middle of the night. But the funny thing was, she didn't spew in the toilet. She spewed in the sink. Mm. Bad strategy, because she had to kind of push, push it, it all down. down. Yeah, this so. was after a work deal or something. Yeah, it was, we had, it was actually a beautiful work deal. We had a cricket park somewhere and played cricket. And Buster and memorable. I'll tell you, somewhere other than that John not much is happening really looking forward to Christmas looking forward to a break kitty my kitties are very excited oh really Thomas would be far more more of a big deal this year than even before a wicked so it's all fun Christmas Christmas trees up this is a pretty long show so we better wrap it up I'm Russ I'm Endo train hard train smart kia kaha beautiful